This podcast is for PR pros who are looking to discover the best strategies for landing their dream retainer clients and scoring them top tier media coverage. I'm your host, Jen Burson, and I want you to have a fulfilling career in PR that totally lights you up without sacrificing your personal or family time or your sanity. Welcome to the Pitching Powerhouse Podcast. Fun topic today. Back to the back to the basics, right? The um, nuts and bolts of this business here. We're going to talk about pitching. Um, yeah, just get getting into the nitty gritty. We are going to tackle just the things you have to just keep an eye on. Make sure you're double, triple checking. We all have those horror stories, right? Of like the pitch that went out, there was a mistake, there was something in, incorrect, and we frantically wish we could recall it. Now you kind of can if you catch it in time on Google um, or Gmail. Whoops, there I went. Um, but these things happen. So we're going to go through a list of the nine pitch elements that we want you to double check, triple check, have somebody else look at them if possible, before you hit that send button. Um, while we're talking about these things, we're going to also go through some tips on how to make your pitches stand out from the crowd because we know our editor contacts get hundreds of pitches a day, at least a hundred pitches, hundreds of pitches a week, but sometimes, you know, multiple dozens or, um, hundreds a day. So, um, we're going to jump in to, uh, the details here, I don't want you to look at this as having to totally overhaul your pitch writing process, but we want you to do these things in a targeted final review so you can ensure that all parts of your pitch are up to snuff. And it might add some extra time to the routine, but it is more than worth it, I promise, because you want to ensure that you have pitches that stand out from the crowd that are factually accurate, edited properly, and they are grammatically correct. That is like a huge pet peeve of mine. I've definitely had it happen where I've sent it out. You know, sometimes you're like, how did I miss that? How on earth? That's why you say review with fresh eyes. Because um, every single time I do that, I'm like, how the heck did I miss that? That's so embarrassing. And it's just because like your eyes see what they want to see. They know what you're trying to say. So they fill in the gaps. When you take a minute and come back, that's when you notice stuff. So the nine things that you need to have on your pitch email review checklist, like you have one, right? But let's talk about what you want to have top of mind. The first is, is your subject line engaging? Um, you know, it's the first thing that they're going to see. Your media contact is going to decide whether to open the email or not based on the subject. So you better make it good. We know short, sweet, to the point, grab a journalist's attention. But that doesn't mean clickbait, okay? Many editors will toss clickbaity emails right in the trash. They feel generic. They feel... Um, like they're not targeted and strategic. They just feel like, oh, sensationalist, open it. And they know it's not really for them. And anything that's confusing, hard to read, um, that is not going to inspire anybody to click. 
if the subject line is difficult to decipher, your media contact is going to think that your pitch is just more of the same. They're going to be like, I don't even know what's going on here. Why would I click this? It's going to be more, you know, trash and <laughs> more of a waste of, of my time. So you want to make sure that the subject line does connect to the full pitch, um, but it's not a summary, okay? It's enough to get them to open your email. That's it. That's the goal of the subject. Does this entice them to want to learn more about what is in this email? So you might pull out a relevant statistic in your subject line that's really compelling. Um, maybe it's the best, you know, kind of bullet in your pitch that ties back to something that's um, or a study that just came out that has some powerful findings. Summarize the most relevant statistic in the subject. Keep things to the point. Don't beat around the bush with the main story. Don't hide, uh, bury the lead, as they say. Um, and just make sure that the subject's short and sweet but entices them to open it. Um, you can also, we've seen, include like brackets that say like gift guide, um, pitch, or brackets that will say, um, you know, uh, product launch or um, editorial pitch or something so they know at the beginning of the uh, subject so they can see that this email is going to be a pitch email. You can even put their name in the subject so it's really clear that it is not spray and pray. All of those things are going, you don't have to include all of them. Uh, three to five words right into a subheading that is juicy and credible. That's the first thing you're going to check. Second, is the contact's name correct? Oh my God. Seriously. Tons of journalists receive pitches every single day with their name misspelled or completely inaccurate. So double check that the media contact's full name and also check their title if there's a beat related to um, what they cover in your database. Check that because you want to make sure they are still the relevant contact. So while you're double triple checking how to spell their name correctly, you can confirm in your database, hopefully it's up to date. We have a database, um, very inexpensive, just down and dirty contacts that come from members of our community. So people that are like, hey, I am working with this journalist, super PR friendly, just did a feature for me in this publication, they'll put them in our database so that we know these are the people who are happy to hear from you. They get that you're there to make their jobs easier and they're PR friendly. So we put those in our database. We try really hard to keep it up to date. So wherever you are looking, double, triple check. You're also gonna look and make sure that they are where they were when you last had them on your list. If you follow them on social media, you should be up to date on any name or title changes or anything with like a recent marriage, they changed their name or a promotion. So many layoffs and changes in the media, it is crucial to make sure contacts are current. Um, absolutely. So when you have this correct name, that is just the very first step to building a strong relationship with your media contact. Um, 
when you use their name specifically, it really signals to them that the pitch is written for them specifically. Um, you know, this is a fellow comms pro. Um, you want to make sure that the journalist doesn't just see you seeing them as somebody who can give you what you want, give you press placement. They're a fellow comms pro to you and you can build a respectful, mutually beneficial relationship with them. Calling them by the right name is literally the least that you can do. And I've seen so many people get it wrong. I have so many um, members of our community that are PR pros and have a connection to the media. They receive pitches. I receive pitches. Um, I'm in a database as a media contact for a site that I use to do business development for. I get tons of pitches. And not only are the names incorrect, they're spelled incorrectly. They're hey there or hey editor, um, which is so weak. But you would be shocked and mortified how many people do a mass send without doing BCC. You will see hundreds of journalist emails and people send these to me and they're like, how are we not millionaires? Because this person is coming from a big firm and they're doing this shady crap. We should be billionaires given the level of like detail and, and attention to you know the detail that we put into it and they're like mass pitching with everyone in cc instead of bcc which is bcc is terrible also but that could not be any lazier if they tried so don't ever do that you won't ever do that you won't be lazy but um that is a big no-no make sure you never do that it's shocking how many people do uh, number three, are you pitching the right journalist and publication? Um, the media landscape moves fast. Journalists jump between publications, especially if they're freelancers or there's layoffs, and we want to be really sensitive to that. So double check your contact is still working with the publication that you think they are. Um, the first place that they will update is probably their social media pages and for sure LinkedIn with any of their latest pieces and any job updates. So usually they're sharing their latest articles on uh, LinkedIn and on their social platforms. So you can check how recently an article was published, what the content was, are they still writing the content at the publications you think that they are. And then you can use a media contact database like Muckrack, Cision, We Love Prowley. I am a, I'm an, an ambassador for Prowley. We love it so much. Um, but we also have our peer curated contacts database inside of the Pitch Lab. Um, so if anything's changed that you've noticed on social, update their email address, what the beat is, what the publication is. Um, you might even want to send them a DM and like reach out and just, hey, you know, uh, we used to work together at this publication. Um, I see that you've taken on some additional responsibilities over here. Um, you know, I just wanted to let you know that I'll be, like I found you in your new, your new place and I'll be reaching out to you. Let them know um, and try to make that connection through social because they're updating it there and you're showing like I'm on top of it. I'm looking just to make sure that what I send you um, is accurate. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 
So when you have all of that new information, you might have to edit the email that you're sending as your pitch with that new publication and the new beat, or you might have to send it to an entirely different journalist if they're no longer covering content that's relevant to you and your clients and you still wanna pitch that old publication, you have to find someone else there, okay? So use that information to ensure you're sending it to the right person at the right publication. If things change and you still think that publication is the fit for your client, find a fit for your pitch. Um, and then number four is probably the most important and so easy to do and so often overlooked is, is your pitch personalized? So you want to obviously get their name right, that's one thing, but you need to personalize the rest of the pitch. So you open your email with a personalized greeting, it shows that you're checked into their work, um, you can compliment a recent piece of theirs, only if you have read it. Don't just look or if they're uh, a blog, you know, a blog post or like a, a podcaster, don't just look at the last title or last interview and be like, I really liked it. Compliment the piece of theirs. Congratulate them on a job update. Um, if they uh, talked about tips and strategies in that article that you liked, let them know what resonated with you. Let them know if you've implemented any of those tips in your real life or why um, what they said specifically resonated and maybe like align your opinion with the, the thesis that they shared and show them, I read your article, I know what you're up to, right? You can also um, congratulate them on uh, like the job update like we talked about or send well wishes for a personal event like marriage or birth of a child or an upcoming trip or a trip they just took. You can see all that on social. Do it in a cool way. Be cool. Don't be stalkery. <laughs> just try to show them I see you. I see what you're up to. I get it. I'm aligned with you. I know that what I'm sending to you is for you and relevant to you. So you want to make sure that the pitch is totally personalized to their beat and the publication. If they have covered a similar topic recently, don't just send the pitch as it is. Think of a new interesting angle that will help differentiate what you're pitching to them from that contacts recent work because you're not going to say like oh you just wrote this article on the um you know five best um led masks and that's what they're covering right and you're like i have a sixth one for you no no <laughs> you don't have a sixth one for them they are not going to update their piece that's going to annoy them you would say maybe that they covered all LED masks, this is my world, um, that are red light therapy, but you wanted to also let them know of the benefits of blue light therapy, you can point out, you know, I saw your piece covering the five top LED red light masks. I wanted to introduce you to the benefits of blue light therapy. And my client's mask uses blue light in a clinically proven setting to reduce acne. You know, get your, your client in front of them in the right way. Don't send a pitch that is unrelated to the media contacts work. You know, a beauty editor doesn't need a pitch about your client's new virtual cooking class. Even if one of the 
ingredients is or like one of the things they make could be um i don't know like you know has an ingredient that's used in beauty products like no it's not relevant don't invite them that's not what they cover don't waste your time and don't annoy them okay number five are you telling a relevant timely and newsworthy story why are you pitching the story and why is it important right now you need to make sure that your pitch email answers those questions and if it's not clear in that email you need to rework it immediately before sending it they only want to write about and publish stories that will provide value value is the key word here to their readers and the industry as a whole they want these newsworthy stories that are truly valuable to their audience. So you can go through that old, like, you know, elementary school, like who, what, where, when, why, how, right? Like the basics, but make sure that your pitch covers those things um, in a relevant way, right away. You want to consider why your client's product or service is relevant to their readers now. So today, why is this relevant to their readers and what impact could it have on your client's industry, which is your niche, right? You should have deep expertise in the niches that you're representing clients in. And that's the benefit because you know that the content that you're sharing, the ideas, the articles are truly newsworthy because you're an, you're an expert. You're dialed into what's going on, what's happening. So you want to paint a full picture for your media contacts so they know why they should care and then in turn why their audience should care, okay? Six stats, claims, data, love it. Always, 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 always check first. Fact check your pitch to ensure that stats, claims, data is accurate. Um, price points are accurate. We have had clients change the price point from the time we initially planned the, the launch and then the time they actually go to market. And we have sent out the wrong price point because we're going off of old information and they never called it out to us. That's not your client's job. They should, but if they don't, it is our job to triple check that the final price is what you're pitching to the media. You really don't get a chance to fact check anymore. Most articles, they just go off of what they find online, what's in your pitch, and then they publish. Um, sometimes you don't even get a heads up that they're publishing. So you have to ensure that your pitch has no errors in the stats or claims that you're making. Um, like with those claims on the LED lights, unless your product has been FDA cleared to make certain medical claims, you cannot make them. Because if that gets published, you're now, you know, violating FDA clearance on uh, products making claims, medical claims. That's why you'll always see vitamins are like, this statement has not been backed up by the FDA because um, they're not FDA cleared. <laughs> so be careful. Okay, you're going to send a pitch that is actually accurate if you send a pitch littered with errors and mistakes or things you have to go back and fix or grammatical errors that is going to diminish your credibility with this contact who theoretically should be a gatekeeper in your niche for other clients this is somebody that is 
beneficial for you to have a good relationship with. So if you diminish your credibility, you're going to seriously destroy your uh relationship damage your relationships with this media con with your media contacts you have to prove time and time again that you're a trusted source so you're going to be prompt but accurate you never sacrifice accuracy for speed which is what we're seeing a lot now in the media everyone wants to scoop something first and fast and then there's mistakes and they go back and you know ask for forgiveness later as PR pros, you never want to be the one that is responsible for your contact publishing something factually inaccurate. They will not reach out to you um, uh, in response to your pitches or for expert quotes from your clients or your contacts if you have a history of giving them inaccurate information. And by history, I mean one time. Unless you have a very good relationship with them and you're like, ah, client changed it on me, back it up, let me give you the right information, I'm so sorry. Um, this, you know, and they haven't published, they're going to be like, I get it. It's fine. But you also um, need to ensure that you're honest about your client's product. You don't oversell it. Don't overpromise results. If those results have not been proven by surveys, studies, um, like before and afters in a clinical setting, um, you know, things that are like third party verifiable, you can't make claims. Stats and data add authority to your pitch. We love it. It is definitely a great strategy to include it. So you need to make sure that what you're putting in there is correct. So double check with your client's team that all the data you've pulled is up to date and accurate. They might have an old study. Maybe there's something new that they've released. We had a client that we were pitching a product before the um, the independent clinical study results were out. And it changed dramatically what we were able to say because now there are specific claims that we could make that we weren't able to make before the study came out. So it became a lot more compelling, a lot more verifiable, and those stats made it a lot more interesting and, and more meaty for our contacts. Um, by the by, if you have used AI, to spark pitch angle ideas, you have to ensure triple, double, triple, quadruple check that none of the AI's original response has made it into your pitch. This is a huge no-no. Um, any pitch or any writing that feels like AI, like Bard, ChatGPT, um, anything that feels like it was generated through AI is going to get bounced and you are going to get bounced along with it. Um, it has a very specific writing style that is not emotional. It is not, um, you know, anything that has like heart and soul to it. Um, and you can add some creativity to it, but if that content is in your original pitch, that is a huge problem because those AI platforms search the entire internet for information to craft their responses. And it can be inaccurate, it could be misinformation, or it could be plagiarized. If you get content from AI, you don't own that copyright. 
I've seen um, articles about people who've written entire books um, in the style of another author. And then maybe they go in, they give it a subject, they give it a, you don't own that copyright, okay? So if it is pulling information from the internet and there is something inaccurate, out of date, um, or the copy itself came from somewhere else, you are gonna be in big trouble with your contacts. So promise me, be very careful. If you feel like you can't triple ensure that you're coming up with all your own information after it sparks a seed of, of idea for you, don't look at it, don't use it. Um, because you don't wanna have any like, you know, tinge of, you know, something improper there. Um, be careful, get it, got it good. So now we're on number seven, I got three more for you. So number seven is ensuring all of your links are working. So this is a very simple thing to check, but it goes a long way in your pitch emails. It's really easy to accidentally add a dead link to your pitch. Um, it could be that there's like a little character that's missing when you copy it, or that the client might've updated the page's URL without you knowing it. And um, maybe it's a retransfer link with all of your assets and it's now expired or somebody changed the Google Drive or the Google Docs links without sharing permissions, all of those things impact how a link works. So you have to triple check that they are still working. And when you go click a link that's a Google Drive, Google Doc, Google Sheet link, confirm that that link isn't just available to you because you're an editor, but it's it, allows the person clicking it the right kind of privilege, whether that's comment privileges or edit, editing or just viewing, whatever, it has to still give them access. They should not ever, ever have to request access to a document. Many journalists don't have the time to do all of this like searching and Googling themselves if a link to your client's website is a dud. So if your pitch is including bad links, it'll be headed straight to the delete button trash bin. So before you send out your pitch, go through, check all the links, make sure they work, the pages are correct, any dead links are um, updated, sharing, sharing permissions are updated, any ex expiration dates. And if you're sharing additional documents, like images, videos, any graphs, charts, anything like that in a Dropbox, um, Google Drive, make sure everything that's supposed to be in the file is in the file and that things that are not supposed to be in that file are not in the file. And remember, no attachments. A link to all of your documents is great. No attachments. Um, and another thing I will also warn you about is if you are doing a mail merge and you're sending something from a document like a Word document and you're using Outlook and you're doing mail merge, quadruple check that track changes are not included in that document. And that has happened to a member of our team. It was mortifying, it was a business pitch, it had all of the client's con um, feedback on it. Um, we could not see the track changes, but on the client's end, they did have it in there. 
I don't know, I still don't know how that happened. So triple check that you don't accidentally copy over your track changes in the final pitch because somehow those things, like you know how sometimes an email gets sent and the formatting comes back and it's clear that like parts of it have been copied and pasted. You also want to ensure that you are putting it, what I do is I put it into a document with no formatting. So I'll put everything together into a document with no formatting. So if there's weird sizes of fonts that are different or there's, um, a part that you're changing from one editor to the, to the next and the rest of it, it just looks copied and pasted in sections. Sometimes those changes in indentation or font size or font style show that this is like a, a patching copy paste job. So I will go into a document, totally blank document, copy paste with no formatting, double check it's how I like it and then put that in to my email. Um, the second to last tip I have for you, number eight, is is your call to action CTA, if you don't know, like call to action CTA, is it motivating? Your pitch email should always end with a clear call to action for that contact. What is their next step that they should take in order to kind of move this forward? So this could be scheduling an interview with your client, chatting with you further, um, answering questions, re uh, requesting additional information to kind of flesh out the story. It could be um, confirming their address for a sample send, um, you know, just very clear. Like in that case, I would say, um, please confirm this is your current address uh, and I'll pull it from where I, my database or where I've sent stuff in the past. I won't say what is your address because then they just won't write you back. But if you're like, is this correct? They'll say like, yeah, that's my address. And now you have permission to send what you were gonna send, but make it really clear because an effective call to action, a call to action is empowering, it's direct, it's succinct, it's very motivating. So don't beat around the bush or be vague in the next steps that they should take. You can phrase the call to action as a question to prompt a direct response from your contacts. You could say something like, um, is this something you're interested in covering? Let me know the best time and, and I can um, set up an interview with my client. It's more direct and more clear than if you're interested in the story, please reach out to schedule an interview. Subtle, but you see the difference. Let me know the best time to set up an interview with my client is more of a specific call to action. And it'll get you one step closer if they take you up on it. Um, the last tip I have for you, obviously this is, goes without saying, but I think a lot of these are very like, okay, double, triple check, but like we know this. Grammar, spelling, you have to be perfect. Is it all correct and accurate? Um, journalists specifically, and a lot of PR pros, judge people who have poor grammar. Be honest. I do there's gonna be a situation where you are writing something formally and you use the wrong version of the word and people are gonna think you're automatically not as smart as you are. Or on the flip side, the people who do use proper grammar are gonna be seen as more, you know, with it. Um, 
it's like when writing is your primary function in your job, you become very particular. So you know you have to proofread your pitch emails before you send them, but it is always, always worth repeating the review with fresh eyes. You want to um, ensure that the grammar is correct, spelling is correct, because just like including inaccurate information, if you have improper grammar or bad spelling, that will damage your credibility with that writer and potentially in your niche. So don't forget to fill in any placeholders that you've had, like if you have, you know, like a little bracket and a TK and it's highlighted to put in the price at some point or update the, you know, key ingredients or whatever. You want to make sure that that is all fixed, any little notations, any track changes, like I said. Any spelling error that slips through the cracks could have a big impact on the final pitch. Think something like an incorrectly spelled expert name or an incorrect source name or a product being misspelled um, or the brand name not being written the way that the brand uses their name. Like sometimes it'll be all lowercase or sometimes it'll be like two words mushed together with no space. Um, or like two capitalized letters in the word, make sure you are always using the brand name the way that the clients like their brand name to be written. Look at your pitch with a fresh set of eyes, have somebody else look at it, look at it in a different format. So you wanna review it from your phone, maybe an editor is looking at their phone, you wanna make sure that it's readable from your phone or even print out your pitch and read it so that you have a hard copy to look at and edit because that will always um, give you uh, a like a different perspective. Sometimes on the screen, your, your eyes miss stuff. So print it out, grab a pen, and look at it with clear eyes. So thank you for being here. I really um, appreciate that you're here with me. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Pitching Powerhouse Podcast. If you're ready to up-level your pitching skills so that you can provide stellar services to your clients, you should think about joining the Pitch Lab. Check out the link in the episode description to learn more. So the Pitch Lab is this awesome, incredible monthly membership experience where you will get the proven formula for crafting PR pitches that actually convert and get tons of strategic, timely pitch angles so you never run out of pitch ideas again. Oh, and you also get access to incredible monthly execution plans that save you hours of time and include irresistible pitch angles that the media cannot ignore. With relevant and timely strategies and topics for PR coverage during current events, holidays, monthly awareness observances, <laughs> say that fast three times, seasonal events, and more, you'll be able to create PR content that makes your clients stand out, even if you are new to PR. So check out the link in this episode's description to learn more. And as always, be sure to tune into next week for another incredible episode packed with the insights you need to become a pitching powerhouse.